Welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started? And what are they doing to stay there, stay in that leadership lane? And today, I'm getting to talk to Jimmy Taylor. Jimmy is a business executive for Insperity. He is also the 2021 and 22 Texas Sherm State Director, and he's also a keynote speaker. And I am excited to have you on the show today, Jimmy. Bruce, glad to be with you. We've been friends for a long time. I'm just delighted to be able to take a take part in your show today. Thank you. Oh man, I'm excited you're on. You know, in full transparency, we've we've known each other for a long time. I was trying to think the first time I met you was actually when you were part of the Dallas-Fort Worth SMA Staffing and Management Association. And then, of course, we later served uh, together with Dallas HR. Today, we get to serve together uh, for Texas Sherm. So glad to have you on the show. We're going to talk a lot about leadership today. We're going to talk a little bit about Texas Sherm. Uh, one of the things I also uh, am going to touch on a little bit later is also some of the things you like to speak about. And I was actually thinking back, uh, as I was thinking about the show, I was thinking about 2020, you were one of the keynotes for the West Texas HR Symposium. And I remember watching you speak and just admired, uh, I've always admired your leadership, but I admired uh, your presentation because you had no notes, you had no slides, and you delivered a powerful presentation uh, around, um, really around people matters and, uh, and, and talent. And so uh, I was so impressed with that. And so we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get started, I would love for you to talk just real briefly a little bit about your organization, Insperity, and just give us a brief highlight of how you serve your customers. Uh, sure. Love to. Uh, so Insperity is a professional employer organization, a PEO. Uh, so companies come to us to outsource HR, payroll, uh, compliance, HR technology. Uh, and and, and I, I have the best job in the world. I get to work with a group of clients. Uh, making sure that service offerings are, are going well, but more importantly, making sure that what we're delivering strategically helps drive the right business outcomes for for uh, for the clients. So uh, personally, we'll, and we'll talk about this probably a bit, I believe there are huge cash registers in, uh, in HR, and I didn't used to believe that. I used to believe HR was really only an expense center. Uh, but uh, but 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 we really can see that uh, HR really pays off. So that's a little bit about what I get to do with Insperity on a daily basis. Absolutely love that, and and definitely want to get into that conversation. Uh, to, to get started, I, I love to just kind of go back to to, uh, to the beginning, and I love to ask my guests just to share us your story. And I would love to hear the Jimmy Taylor story. Uh, where did you grow up, and how in the world? Did you get into leadership in particular in HR? Uh, so I'm a local guy. I grew up in Fort Worth, never strayed very far from home. Um, attended college at the University of Texas at Arlington. I was a journalism communications major. And uh, um, I, out of school, I uh, was with a small small oil and gas company, and it was kind of a downturn in that business. And, and uh, suddenly I needed a job, and I had a friend who was in recruiting. And he said, you'd be a great recruiter. I didn't know what recruiters did. Nobody grows up wanting to be a recruiter, right? We don't even know that career exists. Uh, and he worked uh, primarily in the insurance and medical space. And uh, I certainly didn't know much about either of those worlds. But, uh, but I did agree to give it a try. And I really quickly fell in love with recruiting. I love, uh, Bruce, I love that, 
match when you put somebody who's really talented in a role that's a good fit for their skills and their personality, and you just watch them bloom as an individual. So, um, so I really, uh, really loved the the recruiting aspect. So I did that for a long time, a lot more years than I want to admit to at this point in my career. But the way I got really um, interested in the leadership component of that is really two things. First of all, with uh, with HR professionals, we don't often have time, an opportunity to really develop our leadership skills. So many of us serve in HR departments of one or maybe pretty small um, HR teams. And so that 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 leadership is tough to come by. And that's one of the reasons I love uh, SHRM as an organization, the local chapters and Texas SHRM, because I think it's a great opportunity to develop that. Uh, but the other thing too is, is, I, is I spent years as a recruiter and watched um, what made people wanna leave their current job. You know, there's things that pull us into our jobs that really make us attached to our employer and things that drive us out. And I realized that uh, a lot of it was around engagement and the leadership that they were serving under within their organizations. Uh, so it really made me start to get really interested in how leadership really impacted uh, recruiting and talent retention. So it was just kind of a natural evolution over lots and lots of years. Wow. And then, of course, uh, at one time, you, you, you led your own company as well, right? Um, and so do, let me ask you this. Do you think recruiting is more challenging today? Have you seen, let me, let me put it a different way. Uh, how have you seen recruiting change over the last, let's say, 10, 15 years? Well, if you go back all the way back into the early 90s when the internet was uh, kind of the, the new thing, um, there were several industries that they said the internet would just do away with that industry. And recruiting is one of those. They said you just won't need you just don't want to need recruiters, right? Because there's no uh, there's there's no intermediary needed. Anybody can contact anybody, and that certainly is true. If you look at social media, LinkedIn, and other platforms, we do have the ability to reach out and connect. But the need for recruiters, the importance of recruiters. I don't care if they're corporate in-house recruiters agency recruiters, executive search firms, I would argue the need has been, never been more pronounced because recruiting has gotten infinitely more complex because of social media and the ability for people to have access to so much information. Candidates are much wiser. They know a lot more. Companies know a lot more about people's background. But that that human touch, that that person who really looks at not just the job description, but the task and the outcomes of this role within the organization and is able to translate that back to an individual's strengths and drives and motivators to see that they're going to do well in that environment is more important than ever. Um, and so I think that's how recruiting's changed because if you look at if you look at the outcome that we're looking for when we bring great talent in our organizations, it is almost never a failure because someone couldn't do the job at hand. We almost always get it right in terms of hiring the skills we need to do the job. Where we miss is can they or and will they do the job in this environment with this set of challenges based on the position of the company with this leadership team that, that they're reporting to. All those intangibles that we know make someone either really sticky and never want to leave an organization or want to flee at the first opportunity. All those things have gotten so much more complex. So I think that's, that's the most important way. Lots of small ways recruiting's changed in terms of technology and all the, 
all the uh, the steps we take. But in the big picture, I think that's what's really changed. Man, you're right on the human touch. I, I, I love that. Um, and, and, you know, uh, you know, obviously you're very passionate and, and, and very experienced in, in the in the talent acquisition space as well uh, from your background. I, I was just curious. I always like to know, you know, was there a moment when you found like your purpose in your career or, or I like to call it find your lane when you found your lane? Was there a moment or have there been moments? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, it's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, I don't know that there was one magic moment, but I do think it's an evolution um, of the influences and the people that have really impacted me in my career. Um, that I just really, uh, I got this passion about figuring out what makes employees really engaged, and how do I individually, in my role day to day with uh, with uh, with people I'm interacting with. How do I make a positive impact on everyone I come in contact with? So, you know, that's that's really my my two passions, and those are just kind of outgrowths of uh, a couple of decades of uh, of of working and recruiting and uh, and and kind of the people business. You know, I find that a common theme uh, about uh, people that I've talked to on life in the leadership lane is is the importance of impacting people. And when people uh, find that 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 moment when they're able to really impact people, uh, they they just have this sense of fulfillment in, in what they do, and so uh, that's fantastic. I want to I want to talk leadership, and you know I, I want to talk about you know you you've been a leader in in the business setting, you've been a volunteer leader. You're currently the Texas Sherm uh, State Director. Tell me, what does, uh, how would you define leadership? Wow. You know, Bruce, if we ask 20 leadership development experts, we probably get um, 20 different variations of that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a pretty simple path and you've probably heard this before from other people too, but you know, it's, there's really only one test of leadership. Um, regardless of what our perspective is on leadership and how we develop it, the only test of whether I'm a leader or not is, do I have followers? Mm. Um, if, if, uh, if, if someone doesn't have followers, they're not a leader, regardless of their title or their role or their desires or anything else, which is really interesting because if you think about that, we have, if we're in an organization where there's some folks who love it, stay forever, and some folks who are maybe not uh, not doing as well and not very happy with their environment within both of those camps there are leaders uh, and there are leaders that are driving that organization forward and helping them reach their potential and there are leaders that are actively taking that that company the other way we all know how many if you look at the gallup numbers how many disengaged and actively disengaged employees there are on the average work site Within each of those two camps, disengaged and actively disengaged, there are powerful leaders that are having an impact, just not the impact we probably need them to have. And so what's one of the things I think we overlook within our organizations are, you know, we, we, if we're trying to turn that engagement uh, more positive and trying to uh, you know, really retain our folks and empower them, one of the keys is identifying those leaders that maybe we wouldn't normally look at in, in the actively disengaged category and say, is it possible to turn this person around? Because if this person's a leader, and I know they are because they've got followers, 
and I can turn them around, I likely turn around a department, a division, a segment of my company that's not performing as well. So leadership is, to me, is just about people who have followers. And then leadership development becomes the task of helping people really grow their skills so they can use that leadership talent they have to develop followers and and use it to help their careers individually and help our organizations. I love that. Uh, I love that. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I'm curious, though, your, your thoughts around so leading in a corporate uh, organization, whether profit or nonprofit, uh, and leaving in a volunteer organization, do you see a difference there or do you see those as being the same? Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of similarities. I, I do. And, and I, I think that that's one of the powerful um, incentives for folks involved in uh, insurance chapters. The big difference is that uh, um, the volunteers that we're trying to lead, you know, they all have day jobs. They're all busy. Uh, and so oftentimes it takes it takes a little bit different uh and analytical skills on the front end to say, does this person really have the ability to really deliver in this role over a long period of time? Um, and then it takes probably a little bit different uh, uh, motivation as a leader to make sure that we're keeping those folks engaged and empowered to to do the work of of that local chapter. But I, but but I do think that I think in broad strokes the uh, skills needed are very very similar. And again, I'll, I'll default back to this because I do think that that this is the most single most important thing that a Sherm local chapter does, and I think there's a lot of important things that local chapters do, but I think the single most important thing, and one of the reasons I love some of the work you're doing with Texas Sherm, is I think that the importance is we help HR professionals learn, practice, develop, and sharpen their leadership skills. And if I'm in an HR department one, and I was an HR department of one within my organization for uh, for a few years, it is so difficult to get those opportunities. So, so I really love the fact that we do help, I think, shepherd uh, HR leaders, because there's never been a more important time uh, through the pandemic, through some of the changing environments all of our companies see themselves in, for HR to really emerge as strong leaders able to impact the bottom line of the organization and the deliverables. Yeah, I've always talked about the uh, the great, uh, the appreciation I've had for uh, being in a volunteer leadership role because it gives you a chance to lead outside the organization. It gives you a chance to develop incredible relationships outside the organization. And uh, what you're talking about, it gives you a chance to really be involved in your own personal development to lead uh, so you can bring that back to the workplace. Talk a little bit about, um, so Texas Sherm, I mean, you are the state director uh, for this year. A lot, I mean, we've seen a lot of change. Uh, I mean, since this uh, the pandemic uh, started in 2020, now here we are in 2021 navigating through this. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the, the exciting things that uh, you're thinking about as the leader of the organization, as far as some of the initiatives we have. Well, I think the biggest one really is, again, the one that you're heavily involved with. We, we are uh, trying to develop a leadership development program so that local chapters could use that to develop their own leaders, potentially um, uh, chapter members uh, in, in uh, organizations, be they profit or nonprofit around the state, might take that thing back to their own companies and use it as a tool to develop leadership because 
we all know in 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 small business, and I say small business from you know less than a thousand employees, which most of us work for, um, it's it's a real struggle to develop talent management, succession planning, leadership development. Um, and you, you oftentimes that HR professional feels like they're starting from scratch. So if we can if we can build out a program that they might be able to use within their organizations, uh, it'll have a tremendous impact. So that's the single most uh, exciting initiative that we're involved with. And it's a big project and it's going to take uh, a lot of time. And, and as you know, lots of folks who are helping to shepherd that. Uh, but I think it's really important work, and I think we'll look back uh, a few years from now and say that's, that was a pivotal decision by Texas Sherm to, to do that. And then beyond that, just doing everything we can to provide resources to those individual chapters. You know, we've got 32 chapters around the state of Texas, and uh, Texas is a big state, and lots of HR professionals, um, and certainly the ones in some of the major cities will have a, oftentimes a lot of resources available. But if you're in maybe a smaller community, you may not have access to those same same things. So supporting those chapters is is really critical. Um, so those are those are the two things that really get me jazzed on a day to day basis. I love that. I uh, you know talking about leadership development. That's one of the things I'm really excited about this year. Being uh, uh, leading up the leadership development with uh, Roseanne Garza and uh, a team. Uh, that's going to put together this uh, leadership development program. And, and it's interesting. Uh, I talked to a lot of different uh, uh, HR professionals and business leaders. And when I start talking about leadership development, uh, there are some that are in, in some large organizations that have programs in place, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But you're right. There's a lot of organizations that don't have that in place and they are trying to figure out how can I go out and develop as a leader, number one. Number two, how can I find time? And you know, Texas Sherm has been an organization that has been here to support all of those chapters. Now, how can we add more value and being able to help them with leadership development? I, I agree with you. I think that's gonna be an absolute uh, game changer. Just, uh, I'm curious, does Insperity have a leadership development program? Yeah, um, we have uh, we have a lot of components of that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Insperity's got about uh, nine thousand clients across the country. So uh, some of them very small, five, ten, fifteen people organizations. You know, some of them you know several thousand. And so that looks a lot different in terms of support that we give, uh, depending on what the client's individual needs are. Um, and so many times, and I think this is going to be true for the leadership development program for Texas Sherm that that you're spearheading the efforts on. But so many times, even if there's something in place, um, there's a lot of evidence that it's not working, um, uh, either because of um, company performance or um, you know other factors. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we're looking for here with Texas Sherm is to make sure that we bring in not just a leadership development program, but what really works, I'll tell you a quick story, and you, you, you know this individual well too, you know I'm, I'm a big fan of Bob Chapman's. I read everything he writes and listen to every uh, podcast he puts out. Um, but it's really interesting, they, they went through with his company and their uh, $4 billion organization uh, at this point, they went through a pretty strong change in the way they developed leaders. It, it was a monumental shift in their thinking, 
and their culture within the organization. Um, and this this goes back, you know, 15, maybe 20 years ago now, uh, and their company took off as a result. Um, and so when they changed the way they started developing leaders, they changed everything about their business, the financial return, the employee retention, you name it. But they've had a really interesting exercise. You know, some of my clients are private equity firms. Um, and if you look at private equity firms, when they buy a struggling company, one of the things typically they do is they wipe out the, the senior leadership team because that senior leadership team in, in some fashion failed. And the private equity firm, if you were to boil it down to its simplest, was basically saying, hey, you guys drove this thing into a ditch. We're not going to invest a lot of money so you can drive it back into the same ditch. Um, but Bob Chapman thought maybe that wasn't right. So they have acquired in their organization a number of struggling manufacturing companies. I think it's you know 14 or 15 now. And certainly they've had some executives of those, of those organizations voluntarily choose to leave. That happens in any acquisition. But they've not, they've not voluntarily replaced any of, those, any of those executives. They've not shown any of them the door. What they have done is they, they've given those individuals a new leadership framework to work off of. They, they taught them a new way to lead and develop people. And they've turned every one of those struggling organizations around. And so as we look at leadership development, I think that's incumbent upon us and our organizations to say, whatever we're doing from a leadership development perspective, is it working? And if it's not working, maybe we need to change it. So within Texas Sherm, what we're really hoping for is for some organizations, we'll show them a better way to do leadership development and uh, maybe help them solve some of the people problems uh, that are incumbent in the way they're doing it currently. Oh, I think that's fantastic. I'm a big fan of uh, Everybody Matters. Uh, the book by Bob Chapman. I remember reading that book, uh, and, and this is kind of a side note. Uh, the thing that stood out in that note was there was a, a statistic uh, in the book of 88%. And so basically it said 88% of the people that they surveyed didn't feel like they were valued or, or their voice was heard in the organization. And I, when I read it, honestly, I thought <laughs> uh, that's that's a big number. That that's got to be way too high. So I so I went and tested it, and I went and talked to a couple of different. I would say uh, uh, one's uh, director level, uh, and, and one's a, a little bit higher level. And I said, hey, um, I just read this. Eighty-eight percent of people don't don't feel like they're they're valued or, or heard in the organization. And this was during the pandemic, probably three months in. And I, I said, what do, you, what do you think? You think the number's too high? And, and, and both of them pretty much said the same thing. They said, no, I think that's right on. And I said, really? Are you kidding me? Why would you say that? And they both said, because they hadn't heard from their leaders. They hadn't heard from them from a call like, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? Is there anything I can help you with? And it just really, honestly, it shocked me. And the more I've looked at this, the more I see it. Uh, and, and I think Bob Chapman and that organization has really just done a great job of just having those conversations, right? And, and, and held in their hand. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I think you're absolutely right, Bruce. I think that um, the, uh, so many times employees don't feel uh, listened to. Um, and so I like solutions. I like really simple solutions. Richard Branson said, 
Yeah, any idiot can make it complex. You got to be brilliant to make it really simple, right? Love but uh, so, so when I find people who made things simple, I, I share them. Um, but you know, if if you look at um, just the way that leaders check in with their people, um, if if in the absence in what you just described, where a leader's really not checking in to see how an employee's doing, if a leader would just learn to ask four things every single week of every one of their direct reports. What went on last week? What went well? Because I need that employee to have those positive things rolling in their, in their brain. The neuroscience tells us that that's really critical for an individual, both for their, their stimulation and enjoyment of their work environment, but more importantly for their creativity so they can problem solve within the work site. So what, what went well last week? What went poorly? What'd you struggle with? I need to know that as a leader. Um, certainly there may be actions that I need to take based on what didn't go well. Uh, what are you working on this week? So many times we get six months down the road with our employees and they've been working on the wrong priorities. They, they were working hard. They were working on what they believed was important to the organization, but the priorities that shifted and it never got communicated. And then what do you need from me? Uh, just so they have a way to check in. If you, if you check in on those four things with your people every week, we know that those people will feel much more heard. The alignment between what's being done and what needs to be done will be better. And overall, people will enjoy their work site and their relationship with their direct manager better. So yes, I, I think we, we're, we're so busy with the pandemic and everything we're dealing with, it's really hard to stop checking and listen to our people. But we don't need to overcomplicate it. We just need to do it in an easy way. Uh, but I, I, I think you're right on with your comment. Oh my goodness, folks, if you, <laughs> if you don't have a pen and a journal right now, hit pause and get a pen and a journal because there's, there's so much gold here. Uh, just four things, four things we can do. And that is uh, ask these questions. What went well? Uh, what, what are you struggling with? Or maybe what went poorly? What are you working on? And, and what, do you, um, what do you need? Uh, that right there is absolutely fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. Happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Hey, let me ask you, what drives you? I mean, you're, you're a pretty driven leader. Uh, what drives you? Um, really, just the ability and the desire to make an impact on people's lives. I, mean, I, think, I think we're all at the core, no matter of all the things that divide us, I think at the core, we all want to see people do well, people prosper. Um, organizations and ideas fostered and move forward. So I'm just driven by really helping people, number one, identify what their passions and their strengths are, because we know they're not going to do well on the work site if they don't really know their strengths and if they're not able to use those every day. So helping people understand what their strengths are, how to apply those to the job at hand, and then kind of getting out of people's way. Those are the things that really motivate me and inspire me. Uh, because we all want to get to the end of our life and say, yeah, we, we, we supported ourselves, we supported our families, but more importantly, we, we, we made an impact. That, that that dash between the year of birth and the year of death really, really meant something to that group of people. And certainly that's within the work side, but it's also, of course, within our families and the people that are closest to us and we love most. So that's, that's what motivates me. Yeah, that's, that's listen, that's fantastic. Oh, I love that. That's, that's good. Hey, I know that uh, you, you do a lot of speaking. Uh, as I mentioned to start the show, you, you've, uh, I got to see you. Uh, uh, I've seen you many times, but last year, of course, uh, was most recent. 
Well, sure, share a little bit about what are a couple different things you like speaking about and, and why? Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I love talking about the employee engagement experience and how to transform it, how to make it better. Um, because I do think that, um, I think there continue to be huge opportunities for most of our organizations in that area. Um, and when we can, when we can really pull people in and, and get them engaged and empower them to go do their jobs well, not only have we helped transform our organization, which is what we're trying, we're, we're called to do and paid to do as leaders, right? But just as importantly, uh, we're helping them transform their lives. And if you look at, I don't care if you're talking to Simon Simic or uh, Bob Chapman, or if you look at any of the organizations, you know, Whole Foods, you know, all the conscious capitalism companies, if you talk to the leaders about what they've done to really engage, empower their employees, there's this, um, there's this unwavering truth that the narrative always includes personal stories of how we impacted people's lives um, outside of the workplace. And so we, we know that work-life balance is pretty much a myth. We know that there's just life and some of it's work life and some of it's personal life. But when we can, but we, when we can provide a work site that has a spillover impact into how we relate to our significant others and communicate with them and maybe how we raise our kids or how we serve in the community, when we have that spillover effect, you know that we're having an impact beyond just the workplace. And, and isn't that what really um, you know, motivates so many company leaders? You know, I met with, for, for four years, I met with uh, entrepreneurs, you know, around the country. And, and um, the, one of the key components of entrepreneurs is that they care deeply about their communities and they care deeply about their employees. And it was almost, 100% true with those business owners that I got to meet with. Um, but so often, the, the, the struggle, the divide, the breakdown was they didn't really know how to translate that into the employee experience. So that employee engagement thing is, is not just about motivating somebody so we get a better bottom line, although that definitely happens. But it's really about understanding, you know, you know, humans and, and how we engage them and, and again, empower them to go on. So I love that. I love talking about recruiting because I think that engagement and retention and all those things that sometimes we struggle with, they start with the, the, the launch of that requisition and the questions we ask that hiring manager about this person that they're going to be hiring. So I, I love to, I love to talk about those two subjects. Yeah, man, you, and you're very good at that. I, I will say that, um, you know, over the last, I don't know, a few years, other than uh, 2020, when, when COVID came into play, uh, everybody's talking about, you know, a, a workplace uh, you know, hiring talent, right? And, right? and the shortage of workers and, and talking about engagement, uh, talking about uh, remote work and leadership. Well, we figured out a way to do remote work. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we've talked a lot about leadership uh, development on our show. I want, I want to ask you, though, I want to stay on engagement for a second. This is, I think this is just such a hot topic, an important topic. Um, do you, uh, what, what are some, what are a couple of, share just maybe a one or two tips 
for some of the listeners out there right now that are thinking, you know what, we, we need to do a better job with engagement. Um, we have been through this, you know, last, you know, 14, 15 months with COVID and now we're trying to, you know, get, get back, you know, navigate through this thing. Is there something that companies could do to just get started uh, to have a better engaged uh, workplace? Yeah, it's a great question, Bruce. Um, certainly it varies from company to company with size and, and you know, kind of maybe the struggles, but let's talk about some things that generally tend to work pretty well. The first is uh, creating some kind of feedback loop. A lot of times we know, uh, we have a gut feel that we're really struggling with engagement, uh, but we may, may not have a good way to quantify it. And, you know, go all the way back to Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, the, the, he said, you know, the foundation was confront the brutal facts. So we do have to have some kind of starting point. And I like things that are measurable so we can actually see progress. So, you know, the first thing I would say that a company really needs to think about is what kind of feedback loop do they have to really figure out where, where employee engagement is within their organization. There's, there's all kinds of employee engagement surveys you can use. I mean, you can build your own and do it, you know, through SurveyMonkey or whatever. Um, but something that allows us to figure out what, what employees are thinking. And that, that exercise alone is pretty powerful in terms of engagement because listening is one of the key drivers for employee engagement, leaders who listen. Mm -hmm. So when we do a survey, when we ask our employees, you know, some pointed questions about their experience in the workplace, we're starting to really listen to them and give them a, a feedback loop to let us know how it's going. Um, another great feedback loop, uh, you've probably heard people talk about the stay interview process. The stay interview process is a terrific way to figure out how people are doing. And a stay interview, you basically start from the CEO down and everybody interviews their, their first level direct reports. But instead of doing an exit interview where we ask people who are frustrated and maybe angry why they're leaving and we get, you know, maybe not too actionable information, a stay interview, you're taking people who are, who have been with the company who are, as far as we know, aren't going anywhere. And we're saying, Bruce, you've been here five years. You're a great performer. Um, first of all, we only want to say that if it's true, but we've just, we've just reinforced to Bruce something he may not have heard uh, very often. That is, he's a great performer. Um, why do you stay here, Bruce? What, what do you like about the organization? What do you think about when you're coming to work every day? Um, what, what, what what frustrates you here? If you were ever to leave here and go somewhere else, what would you go do? Where would you want to go to? That's risky ground for a leader, right? Because we're inviting a conversation. We don't know where it's going to go, but it's got a powerful impact uh, on, on that employee, or at least on most employees. Um, and then what else would you like to do around here? Where do you see yourself in a few years? Are there skills that you have that you don't think we're taking advantage of? What would that look like? And we have those kind of interactive conversations, very much like the conversation that two friends might have about their own career development, right? But we're transforming it from an employer to an employee. First of all, it's a terrific trust builder. And trust is the currency of any human relationship, certainly employer and employee relationship. So that's a powerful driver uh, if, you, if you don't have another uh, you know, feedback, feedback mechanism in place. And then one other thing that I think is, is so easy, but, and you're actually great at this, Bruce, and I will confess that I struggle with this. There are times I do it okay and times I'm terrible at it, but just taking time to say thank you. 
Mm. A simple act of sending an email or even more powerful, uh, sending a, a handwritten thank you note. Um, the, uh, the CEO of Campbell's Soups, and suddenly I'm blank on his name, but he was CEO during a time where Campbell had lost 50% of their market share in the previous two years. And CEOs tend to get fired when they've lost 50% of market share. So he was a new CEO come in and he said, uh, I taught my leadership team to write hundreds and hundreds of thank you notes. Mm. And we would, we would mail those out. We'd hand deliver them to the corporate office. And he said, five, six, seven years later, I'd walk in somebody's cubicle in some field office and there'd be that handwritten thank you note. You know, we just are so busy. It's hard to stop and say thank you. But who doesn't love it? You know, Bruce, I got your handwritten note back in January. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a great encouragement, uplifting moment. And I thought, why don't I do this every single day of my life? But if you can teach leaders to ask some simple questions, get some feedback through a survey or a state interview, and if you can teach leaders to start to say thank you for real, they need to be real things. We don't just say, hey, nice job, way to go. But it's, hey, you caught that shipment error that was going to go out to the client. Had that gone, that would have been really detrimental to this customer. You stopped that. They never knew they almost got the wrong product. Thank you for doing that double check. I've now reinforced an important behavior. That employee knows not only do I care, but I'm watching what they do. I know what's going on within this organization. I've just done a number of simple things just by taking the time to say thank you. And we know statistically, if there's not seven positive, encouraging statements for every corrective action, and as a leader, I'm gonna have to have corrective action with my employees. I'm gonna have to have the tough conversations accountability is not about watering it down. I've got to have those conversations, but if I don't have seven positive ones to every one uh, negative corrective one, the workplace that I'm in is going to be seen as negative and oppressive and people are going to tend to not perform up to their potential. So those are just a few simple keys that we all know. And most of them, most of us, including myself are not taking the time to practice them regularly. Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic engagement. Uh, the feedback loop. I like that. Um, and I, and I hear a lot about the importance of listening. As a matter of fact, I think it was Mitch Beckham talked about uh, listen, relate, understand, and then listen uh, and keep listening. And then of course the stay interviews. Uh, I love, uh, I wrote down, write this down. Trust is the currency to a relationship. Uh, that that's fantastic. And of course the thank you, I read a uh, very inspirational story about the uh, CEO at uh, Home Depot, Frank Blake, uh, kind of did the same thing. And some of the great inspirational leaders, you read about that. I mean, the president, you know, George H.W. Bush and then George W. Bush. Um, and then some of the, you know, it's just so inspiring. I actually have a personal note from the chief customer officer at Armstrong Relocation early in my career when he wrote me a note to let me know how much he appreciated me. And uh, it was just very encouraging and inspiring. I put it up on my bulletin board and it reminded me uh, of the value I had. And so uh, that is a great point. I'm glad you shared that. Thanks. It's, oh, it, man. Is, it is easy, but not simple. Or maybe simple, but not easy. I heard a guy say one time, easy to do, easy not to do. Yeah. And uh, you are so right. You have to really be intentional. I find myself, you know, I, I, I find myself once every quarter or a couple of times a year challenging myself 
to write notes and do different things. And I'm thinking, why don't I do this like every single day? Uh, but you're right, it, it takes time. But I think that this is a great reminder. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're out there and you're listening, uh, write down somebody's name uh, that comes to mind right now and, and send them a note. And it will absolutely impact them, but it will impact you as well. And so appreciate uh, appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, me, Bruce, uh, hey, can I, I'm sorry, can I just add one more story? Please uh, do. Stories, stories change us, right? That's why yes. we all love them so much. But um, one of the things I've done in manager training, and I've done this probably, I don't know, 12 or 14 times over the past few years. And I've never gotten through a single session where at least one person didn't have tears as a result. And typically that was, uh, you know, uh, an older guy. It was, uh, it was the guys who they're, they're the, they're, they, they break down, but, you know, in a manager training, we'd have their, their leader, their direct supervisor, write them a thank you note. Um, and as part of the training, we would, uh, when we talked about engagement and de developing their team and, and how to, how to be an encouragement to their team, say thank you and all that, we would have, we would pass out those thank you notes and have them stop and, and, uh, and just read those to themselves, right? And share them if they wanted to. But it's such a powerful reminder when you see how much that impacts people emotionally, just how important that thank you really is. So might, you might want to, might want to try that with leadership teams. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you're going to listen to this and then you're going to re-listen, <laughs> write that down and, and try that out. There was actually a football team. I think it was LaSalle. Uh, they called it in accountability cards. And uh, they, I don't know, they won like 150 games in a row. I mean, they set some high school football record. But one of the traditions they had was uh, they wrote, wrote notes and they would pass it along. And, and basically they would say, you can count on me for this. And wow. they just kept passing them around and it just really brought everybody together. And when you're talking about development, when you're talking about engagement, I mean, just the simple fact of writing something down and, and sharing it with someone will just link you just that much more. And so uh, yes, that's fantastic. Indeed. Oh, man. Oh, man, this I'm inspired right now. I'm oh, this is so good. Um, let me let me ask you this for someone that's listening. And says, you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm not involved in in Texas Sherm. How how would I get involved in Texas Sherm? Uh, what would you say to that person? Well, I'd say start at your local chapter. Get involved in your local chapter. Whatever. I mean, again, 32, 32 chapters around the state. You're probably close to enough to one that you can uh, you can join and, and and attend the regular meetings. And some of them, a lot of them, are still meeting remotely based on COVID. So certainly there's opportunities uh, for a lot of them to connect, you know, remotely to their monthly meetings. So I would certainly attend a meeting um, and, and uh, you know, participate, uh, maybe find a way to volunteer just to give back. Maybe you've been in a few years in your career and you really do want to give back and you've got some flexibility and some wisdom to share. Or maybe you're very young in your career and you still have plenty of opportunities to give back and, and, and to continue to develop your network. So. I would start there in that local chapter because uh, that's where the magic happens, right? Uh, it's not only just that monthly meeting, but it's those relationships. Bruce, you and I are, are the same. We can face almost any business or HR problem and really in a matter of minutes, think about the experts that we've met that, that might be able to help us with that particular issue. And so I think that's 
that's such a powerful return on investment of the time that you spend with the local chapter and, and the dues that you may pay or the, uh, you know, the lunches that you may attend because you're developing that network for your own career, both for the, the information you need to thrive in your career and just as importantly, maybe for that next rung up the ladder as opportunities develop. So that's if, if, if you're not involved in a local chapter, I would certainly start there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And if you want to find a local chapter, you can do that at texassherm.org. And that's T-E-X-A-S-S-H-R-M.org. Go there. You can find your local chapter. Listen, I'm so excited uh, about your, your leadership for Texas Sherm. And this is why uh, I think that uh, you are an inspiring leader. And I've always admired you. I want to ask you, you know, to get to this point in your career, it seems like we have people that help us along the way. I was just curious if you could share, were there some mentors uh, in, in your in your life? Oh, yeah. I've, I, you know, I've had so I've had so many. It'd be hard to list. You know, some of them were informal. They probably, you know, never even knew they were a mentor, uh, you know, maybe through a book they wrote or an opportunity to hear them speak. And then you know, directly, um, you know, the, you know, Bill Fuller trained me in recruiting and was one of the best recruiters I've ever known. And uh, Bill, Bill was a terrific mentor in terms of helping me grow and develop as a young recruiter. Um, you know, Roger Jenkins uh, runs a healthcare organization today, but he was one of the early clients. And in so many ways, he was a mentor as we looked for, you know, people for his organizations. And, and uh, yeah, there's just been, you know, a score of them. I think that, you know, Again, it's it's the value of the network that we build. That there's just you know so many people who are like-minded who say, hey, how can we how can we develop people? How can we lend our talent and expertise to helping this person grow? That's that's really what happens. And I guess any association, but certainly within Sherm, that's really is what happens. It becomes a, a a camaraderie to help people you know solve problems and grow and develop. So you know a ton of them. Um, a couple of them that I would highly recommend. Um, certainly one of them we talked about already, but you know, if you haven't read Bob Chapman's book, I think Bob mentors everybody through his book because he, he delivers the playbook. And Bob's not a consultant. He's a CEO, owns the company. He's not looking to, to build a consulting practice. So he just puts his playbook out. Here's how we do this. Here's how we turn organizations around. And it is a step-by-step process. And you talk about something that mentors somebody, uh, that's a terrific uh, mentorship piece. So that's, uh, you know, that's a key one. Now, is that book, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Are you talking about the book, Everybody Matters? That is Everybody Matters. By okay. Okay. Yes. Very good. Very good. We actually read that in our climb group and uh, discussed that. Uh, and we all loved it. And so having this conversation makes me want to pick it back up and reread it now. Because uh, I remember how, how good that book was. You know, we talked a lot about um, leading uh, teams, leading Texas Sherm. Uh, but I want to just shift just a little bit. I want to talk about leading yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, that's one of the hardest things is to lead myself. Uh, but I would love for you, if you, if you don't mind, if you could share, uh, what is a typical day in the life of you look like like when do you like when do you get up are you an early riser or do you stay up late and do you have something a daily practice that you have that you do every day that helps you keep on track would you mind sharing that no happy to 
my daily practices have evolved over the years based on my roles, and I think somewhat because of my age. But uh, <laughs> I am uh, I am an early riser. I haven't always been, but uh, certainly these days, you know, I'm 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 usually up, you know, anywhere from yeah, well, it just varies, but pretty early. Um, and I like to, uh, when it's still quiet, I like to read for a while um, just to get some kind of focus. Um, that's really helpful uh, just to prepare for the, for the challenges and the stress ahead. Kind of regrounds me, recenters me. Uh, so I try, to, I try to do that, you know, daily. Um, the weekends sometimes take a life of their own, so it sometimes <laughs> varies a bit. But certainly Monday through Friday, I really try to do that. Um, and then I try to make sure that my day is mapped out. Uh, pretty effectively. All of us, if you're in HR today by nature, there's an element of your job that is highly or almost exclusively reactive. So I think setting time aside for the reactive nature of our jobs, especially during the, the, the COVID pandemic, has been increasingly important. But I do like to come into the day with a pretty structured regimen. And uh, really, uh, uh, of late, really the last year or so, I've really tried to come into each week with two strategic outcomes, um, we all have the tactical things. We've got to get whatever the tactics of our role is. We have to get those executed on. But the things that really drive all of our jobs forward, drives our organizations forward, is the strategic elements. So what are the two strategic things this week that I may not get resolved or complete, but I want to make progress on? Because it, it's, it's just a tool that I've found helps me kind of get out of the fray somewhat and think about the bigger picture. We, we tend to do that, you know, annually or quarterly or in some kind of planning session, but we get caught into the muck and mire of the daily activities. So uh, keeping those couple of act strategic activities focused on, I'm trying to make some progress on it. It's kind of a discipline that just of late I've learned to build into my routine as well. And in terms of reading, one of the things I really like to do, you mentioned this with Everybody Matters, there's a few books, there's not many, but there's a few books that I like to reread. Mm. Um, and Everybody Matters, I read at least once a year because, mm. you know, you just forget some of the details that you really need to be able to access. Because uh, learning, you know, learning's a, uh, a lifelong endeavor, right? So it, it takes time. So I like to I like to reread things. But then I'll, I'll vary in terms of blogs, in terms of who I like or who I listen to or whatever just really depend on schedule and maybe some of the things I'm facing. So that's a little bit about my daily routine. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's fantastic. And I think the, the thing about it is, is that to me, it seems like the common thread for leaders that are really making impact is they have a system. Mm -hmm. And so they typically will get up about the same time that typically will do the same types of, of things. And, and that's a key. I, I, I talk about the importance of automating and uh, how, that's, you know, how we stay on track. And uh, I love how you also talked about the, you know, how it's evolved, because just because you're doing something today doesn't mean you have to do that every day for the rest of your life. Right. You can continue to learn. And that's one of the things I'm hoping to pull out of the show is that, hey, let's pull out some different practices because everyone seems to have a, something a little bit different and then find what works for you and, and maybe to help you. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Oh, man, this has been so good. The time flies so fast. I've got one more question I want to ask before we get into it. Time to accelerate to, to finish the show. And, and this question is around advice. And I always like to ask, was there any advice that you have been given in your career 
that you continue to share with others because it was just so good? Oh, um, that's a great question. I, I, I think, um, you know, it's an, it's an overused trite phrase, but just to enjoy the journey. Mm. Um, I think that we, again, we get so bogged down in the stress of life that we forget to enjoy the journey. And for me, the advice I got around that was to keep a gratitude journal, mm. uh, just to write down uh, every day, three things that you're really thankful for. Um, and the guy who told me that, you know, I think his illustration was sometimes that just may be, hey, I'm thankful this day was over because it was so terrible. I'm ready to start again. Right. <laughs> but in the midst of any trying circumstance and, you know, I, if I look around, you know, you, you have you're the same. We have so many folks who've gone through, you know, job losses or job changes or, you know, lost loved ones or whatever through this last you know 12 months that we've been through keeping that that gratitude top of mind is really really important it's it's important for our career but it's certainly important for our our emotional health our mental health so you know stay stay positive enjoy the journey and have a heart of gratitude i think it was the best advice i've ever ever gotten because that transcends anything going on in the workplace right that's that again speaks to our human nature Man, I love that. You know, uh, one thing I've noticed about you over my career is you, you're a very grateful leader and you, uh, and I can just tell that in your approach. I've never seen you rattled ever. <laughs> you just seem to be like relaxed, like joyful, like in the moment. And, uh, it, it, and you, you may have had a tough day, but you just, you don't show that. And I think that's because you're such a grateful leader. I do a presentation called great leaders or grateful leaders. And I talk about the importance of looking for the good. And when we look for the good, we'll see the good. And it makes us feel differently. I remember one day I was having a tough day, uh, in, you know, back in June, July of 2020. And uh, I mean, it was one of those days. And I just pulled out a piece of paper and I just said, I'm going to start writing down everything I'm grateful for. And 30 minutes later, I just felt picked up. I just felt so better and uh it's amazing what happens when we lean into the gratitude so great 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 advice i love that um hey let's go to it's time to accelerate i'm going to ask you a few fun questions as we kind of wind down the show and the first question i'd like to ask is would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast i'd rather read a book i'm, a, I'm old school I like to, yeah I like to turn the pages and so i'd rather read a book Love it. Love it. And, and I'm going to put uh, the, the book uh, by Bob Chapman in the show notes so people can click on that. What are you most grateful for? We just talked about being grateful. What, right. what are you most grateful for? Oh, I'm, I'm just grateful for my family, the opportunities I've been given, good health. I mean, I, you know, those are the things that you just, you know, you, we all know that uh, uh, the storms are going to come at some point in life. And so those are the things I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I get the opportunity to do, do things every day that are pretty fulfilling based on, on my temperament and my personality. That's, I guess that's the other good advice that I would give people is if, if you, if you, if you haven't gotten that position yet where you're using your strengths and your temperament and your natural wirings, don't quit, don't give mm -hmm. up. Keep, keep looking for that either within your role or within potentially another role. So oh, go ahead with your question. Sorry. No, that's fantastic. Cause there's somebody out there right now, listen, that needed to hear that. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. That, that really, that means a lot. I, I know a few people that are right now they're grinding, trying to find that. And so that's what uh, great advice. Keep going. 
Hey, what, uh, you know, 2020, I mean, so glad we're out of that. Uh, this is season two. So 2021, what, what do you, what are you most excited about coming up? Returning back to some kind of normalcy, um, getting, being able to be face-to-face with people more than what we have in the past. Uh, I mean, that's true for those of us in Sherm chapters, right? We're looking forward to the face-to-face meetings and enjoying those. Uh, in the work side, it's the same, right? So I think that's, and the great thing is, and I'm kind of an internal guy, right? I mean, I, I've worked remotely um, at least part of my work week for, uh, I don't know, almost 20 years. Uh, so I never really thought that uh, 100% remote would be very challenging. Um, but I think we all found out that whether we're an extrovert or, or more internal, we need that face-to-face connection. I, um, just yesterday at church, our pastor was talking about the things that happen um, when you don't, when you're not face to face, and the differences in Zoom. And there's some profound impacts, and it's why we're so fatigued at the end of a long day with Zoom meetings. It's just a different interaction for our brain. So that's what I'm most excited about. Uh, that's fantastic. Oh man, me too. I'm excited about that too. Okay, last question. It's a final question and a question I really enjoy asking my guests. And here's the question. Jimmy Taylor, 10 years older, he's knocking at your door right now and you get up to answer that door. What's he going to tell you? <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's a good one. I, w- I think he's going to say, um, enjoy the journey. Have more faith. Mm. Um, don't stress the little things, um, and just keep giving it your best. Mm. That's so good, man. Have faith. I love that. Oh man, you're definitely driving in the leadership, my friend. Hey, uh, let me ask you this: um, If someone wanted to connect with you or or follow you, how would be the best way that they could connect with you, Jimmy? LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is by far the best. I'm, I'm not a heavy Facebook user, so don't, don't go there. I, I only open it a couple of times a year, but, uh, but I try to keep current with my LinkedIn contacts and try to put up things from time to time that are, that are of interest. So uh, that's, that's certainly the best way. Perfect. I'll put your uh, LinkedIn pro, uh, uh, link in the profile. So if you want to connect with Jimmy, connect with Jimmy, talk to him about Texas Sherm. Maybe you want to talk about leadership development, engagement, uh, he, he would be glad to connect with you. And, and if you want more information on Texas Sherm, I'll put that uh, in the show notes as well at texasherm.org. And I'm just, uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to just have this conversation. I am confident there were some things that you shared today uh, that are going to help a lot of people. And I just cannot wait to share this. So thanks again for coming on the show, my friend. Thanks for your show, Bruce. Thanks for all you do. Awesome. Can't wait to share it. I'll see you, Jimmy. Thanks. Take care, Bruce.